I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Uh, So we had a little bit longer of a break than we normally do in between books. So hopefully you guys all had a chance to read uh, at least parts one and two of Woman of Light by Kali Fajardo Anstein. Um, So we'll be discussing parts one and two this episode. I'm really excited, happy to be back and and talking about it. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it. Um, But before we get into it, some little housekeeping. Um, So we will be doing two episodes on this novel. And then we will be moving on to our next book, which, Sadie, do you want to give everyone a heads up? Yes. So we decided because of um, the fact that the movie just recently was released and there's been a lot of, like, talk about the movie, um, we decided to do Persuasion by Jane Austen. So I'm really excited because it's not... um, the most it's not an overdone Jane Austen so I'm hoping that we'll catch a lot of people who have are familiar with her work but maybe haven't read that one it's a super quick read and then um yes the new movie came out it's on Netflix um it stars Dakota Johnson and there's gonna be a lot to talk about (laughs) with that movie and that adaptation and it's just gonna be it's gonna be really fun and I'm I'm really excited I love Persuasion it's one of my favorites by Jane Austen so Pick up your copy. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And then if you have Netflix, try to watch the movie as well um, so you can participate in the discussion a little bit. We'd love to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, we haven't we haven't done a book movie one in a little while, yeah. so I'm excited. That'll be fun. Um, very on trend right now. Yes. So I think it'll be good. Um, yeah. And then let's see. I think that was it. Yeah. Really, I, just I, announcing our, our next one. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's it. Cool. Um, so I'm definitely excited to talk about this novel. Um, so I finished it. Sadie has not. So I will do my best to like not push through on it. Okay. Um, and I really, really liked this author. I was really excited. I read her short story collection, Sabrina and Karina, that came out in 2019. I just read that a couple months ago. I loved it. That's kind of what made me when I heard this is her debut novel um, was coming out, wanted to go for her. So I really recommend to you guys, like if you like short stories or even if you don't, like it's great. It's the same kind of, it's all set in Denver. This novel is mostly set in Denver in the 1930s, which I love the, we can get all into that, but yeah. So, so great. Like so sensory rich, um, her description. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of what me got got me into it. And one of our followers, she was so cool. She posted they were doing like a book signing and reading at her. She was from Denver. Yeah. At the bookstore, and I was so jealous. I was like looking to see like, oh, can I fly out there? Because I would just love to go to that. I know. But we're gonna be camping or we're out of town or something, so I yeah. can't go. But so awesome and nice to like, you know, she's local and they were making a big deal out of it at some of the bookstores in Denver. So I think that was great. Yeah, it's so fun. I wish I lived. Um I don't know. I think I need to start taking advantage of the fact that I live so close to the cities, you know, to yes, either Boston or New York, because like there are so many author events and readings mm-hmm. and stuff that I could go to. Um, and I, I just need to start like branching out and looking into stuff like that more because, you know, Boston's only like a couple hours away. Same with the New York. Yeah. That's only a couple hours away. And what a cool opportunity that just kills me I just think that's so fun and it's what it is I don't know I mean obviously this is a new release so I guess like the timing of it isn't so absolutely wild but um I thought the timing of it was kind of crazy that it was like right oh, after we we'd selected the and, book yeah yeah it was nice and it got a nice write-up in the Washington Post and it's been getting some press so yeah um I, I really like this book um for those of you who didn't read it uh it basically it's a coming of age it follows you know this family of Mexican, uh, their Mexican and indigenous descent. Um, and it's kind of like 
New Mexico to Colorado is the yeah. region. Like a lot of it's set in Denver in the 1930s, but it also goes back into her family's past in that what's now what we would call like New Mexico and all the way up yeah. from New Mexico to, to Colorado. And the main character is Luz. Uh, she's a like teenager. She reads tea leaves and has clairvoyant gifts. Like she's a seer. And you mm-hmm. learn that there's a background of seers in, in her past and her and her older brother, Diego, basically are abandoned by their parents. Her father runs, you know, leaves them and runs off and her mother can't take care of them because it basically seems like alcoholism and she's yeah. just unable to care for herself, let alone her kids. So she sends her kids, they make their way by themselves to Denver. And this is like during the depression and they live with their aunt, Maria, Maria Josie. And they all work. I mean, Luz is yeah. a laundress and goes around to all the fancy houses and does laundry with her co- uh, cousin and really good friend, Lizette, who lives mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, Diego, I'm trying to remember what his main, it's something with. He, he works at a, it mining? a factory. He works at a factory. A factory. Of, like, I think, I think it's like rubber or something, but then he. Yeah, he works at a factory. He's also a snake charmer. So he, yes, on the side. I love it. Uh, on the side, yeah, like they'll, he'll go to like community events and stuff and where people are hanging out and he would do snake charming at the same time that Luz is doing tea, tea leaf tea, tea readings, leaves, you yeah. know. So it's, it's just really like so interesting. The characters are really interesting, but yeah, that's what yeah. he's up to. Um, yeah, and they're all working. Yeah. You know, uh, Maria Josia works at like a, a glass factory, mm-hmm. like makes glass, and she does that, and like is kind of the parental figure for both of them. Even though Diego is like eighteen plus, I think he's around eighteen. But he and they well, all kind of loses, have this life. Loses seventeen. She turns eighteen. That's true. At he's, the end, he's of probably like twenty. He, yeah, he's, he's probably like twenty ones, mid twenties. Yeah, yeah, is kind of what I get. And then. Um, th- uh, Diego gets beaten up really badly by a group of, I mean, by the clan, basically, by the white, uh, for Rome, like being in a relationship with a white girl. Um, and so then Maria Josia makes him go away because she says, like, it, basically, he's a danger to them. Yeah. If he stays. So he goes away. You kind of get, he gets eventually out to California is kind of where the image that we're getting, like, he's going out to do like field work or going wherever he can. And then lose, I'm trying to think of where it goes up to him. She starts working for David, right? Yeah, so she, because Diego has left, Luz and, Luz and Maria Josie are put in this situation where they really can't pay for rent, and they're yeah. not making enough money doing the laundry and working at the factory. So she is told you should ask David, who is this um, Greek market owner's son, and he just basically moved back to Denver after getting his law degree. He's this kind of radical communist lawyer who is is really out there trying to help um, the people and like the community. Yeah, the big the like subplot is there's a big case where there's a been a brutal. There's more than one, but he is suing the city because yeah. there was a brutal murder of a Mexican man by a cop. And so yeah. now the man's family is, is, is suing the cop or is uh, pressing charges. So that, that's like a, this subplot that kind of runs all throughout the yeah. time period where, where Luz are, that David is the lawyer yeah. representing the family. And so he, um, because of the situation, because of some stuff I think we'll get into of, um, of their history as a family with each other. Um, he gives Luz a job at at his firm, and she starts going, kind of going to school. He basically lets her use some of her wages to go take classes um, mm-hmm. for, like, typing and other stuff like that, secretarial stuff. And, um, and then kind of while this is going on, she's – Sort of seeing and dating this nice young man named Abel. Is that how you would say it? And um, yeah, he is super nice. He's a musician, and he also works as like a handyman. And um, it's like the first parts one and two is what are what we were talking about, and then it goes all the way up until her eighteenth birthday, um, where she has you can kind of see that she feels like her powers are starting to grow. Like, and I, and like, I say that, like, this isn't a fantasy novel, you know, this is magical realism for sure. And like, this is so Chicano literature for me. Like all the Chicano literature I've read is like this, you know, but not that this isn't unique in its own way, but um, these kinds of aspects. So 
um, that's kind of what it goes up to. And so it really sets, like, a lot happens, but it also really, I feel like, sets up the rest of the novel. I'm excited to see what else happens. But before we get really talking about themes and other interesting things about this book, we should talk about our drinks. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> totally right. That's what I forgot. I'm so glad you remembered, Sadie. Way to, way to be on top of it, because I was not. Um, okay, well, what, did, what are you drinking? So I decided to make a drink with Mezcal tonight, because Mezcal is mentioned in this book quite a bit. And so I made a Mezcal mango mule, is what I would call it. So it's Mezcal nice. um, mango juice, like freshly like squeezed. So it's not like nectar, but like juice. And then um, a little bit of lemon and lime, and then ginger beer. And it's really good. I'm really enjoying this That sounds this really good. What are you having? Nice. Well, uh, so I have uh, some botanical gin, a little bit of simple syrup, a little bit of this, uh, did I do pineapple or berry? Shit, I can't remember. <laughs> Another kind of like little syrup. I think it was either, I think it was the berry one. Okay. Um, some lemon, fresh squeezed lemon juice, and then some strawberries and crushed ice, and then I put a little lemon sprig in there. That so, sounds really it, refreshing and delicious. It is. It's Oh, soda, and then soda water. Topped it with oh, soda nice. water. Yeah, that sounds um, great. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm happy with my my choice for sure. Yours sounds delicious as well. Thank Good choice. You. I like the you you are continuing to make up for your minimal effort <laughs> in the past. Uh, so you're doing well. I'm I'm really proud of you. Thank you, thank you. Really, what we should be congratulating Brian because it's more like me telling Brian this is what so the you book just, is. You, you just got back on the train of like having Brian. Do it for you. Yes. Yeah. Instead of making it. That's fine. You know, as, as long you're showing, you're showing up. I'm I, I don't working care smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You are. I told Brian, if we ever end up making like a lot of money from this podcast, I owe him like 5% just for making the drinks. <laughs> That's true. You do kind of owe him. Just, yeah, just for, for that. Sure. Just for that. Okay. All right. Let's talk about this um, book. And then, and then oh, also yeah. interspersing within Luz, you learn about her, her ancestors. So yes. the prologue, before we even get to chapter one, um, is about her grandfather, Pedra, who his mother has to leave him. You don't, I mean, there's just, there, we don't need to talk about the whys. This is what happens. Yeah. His mother, his mother leaves him at the banks of kind of a, of a river um, as a baby and um, an indigenous woman who is a seer, um, very powerful woman uh, finds him, raises him to a point until he gets to the point where he need he needs to move on and find his way elsewhere. And, but he's so he grows up so loved and has he's an amazing character. Love PJ. We'll talk more about him. Yeah. And he makes his way. So you learn throughout the novel too about PJ and then how he met his wife, which I think we talk mostly about in the second part of the book, so yeah. I won't get too much into it, but who's also an amazing character. And just you kind of learn more of the history of uh, Luz's grandparents and parents, and um, it's really great. I love how much is covered and how, how she travels through time. It's really it's really helpful. It is, and she does it in um, a way that makes sense. Like, I feel like sometimes, and it's not that it doesn't work, but sometimes it doesn't always fit within the story of, like, relevancy to the main through line mm. plot line. But I feel like yeah. every time she puts it in this, it's very relevant. Um, like, when they... I think when Diego leaves or something, they talk about... They have a conversation about um, how Luz feels like her like she just has so much loss for having only lived so many years like everybody kind of yes. has left her and abandoned her and so when Diego leaves even though he needs to leave um she's feeling that same kind of way and then it does like a flashback just to her you know life when she was in the last territory and she was around eight years old and what it was like for her having her dad leave and um and also the kind of like the complicated feelings that she has around that um because mm -hmm. her dad was extremely abusive and yes. um 
So it's just it's really interesting where she decides to put certain stories. The same thing with um, Maria Josie. Like you see her when she's younger and why, you know, this Greek family in Denver has such a connection to her and like why they continue to kind of always be there and help them. And it's because she saved uh, David's life when he was a teenager from drowning from a flash flood. And since then, you know, they've that family has kind of watched over them. And it's just, yeah, yeah it's just really nice oh, seeing oh, how everything comes in. And then also, like, you know, they'll talk a little bit about um, her grandparents and, like, her grandmother and, like, the once-in-a-generation kind of seer that's in the family. And, and then it'll do a nice little flashback to the family before. And I just yeah, I, she, I think it's really great where she puts it all, everything in. I agree. I think she weaves weaves so many things together, both with the, there's just so much in it. Yeah. Like there's so much in this book to think about that you've got, I love the, like I already said, how she describes 1930s Denver, this depression Mm -hmm. era Mm -hmm. Denver, you really get like, it's, it was a nice, I haven't read that much about that time period in that kind of a location. Does that make sense? Or like, I think, yeah, I I liked, I liked how it was talked about and it's very, you know, you get the sense of what it's like for them to do the laundry and like, all the little things in the clothes, again, really great descriptions, but all of it added to it. None of it felt like too much. I wanted more. I wanted to hear more about everything. If I anything. agree. I agree. It's an, it's, it I is really interesting because the world. this is like the first, I guess, that I can really remember, like Depression era book of the West that I've read, except for like Rapes of Wrath and like other Steinbeck work. Steinbeck's usually mm-hmm. like the one I associate with that time period for some reason. Sure. No, it makes sense. But um, so, the, yeah, this is the first time I've read about it in that way. And I thought it was really great because it it's so subtle. Like sometimes I think when people think about or when I think about the, the Great Depression, I think almost like from 1929 until World War II, like people weren't doing anything fun and like everybody's lives sucked and they were using money as wallpaper. Like that's my, (laughs) my picture of it. But this book really changed that in the sense that yes, these are extremely difficult times. People are really struggling to find work and there's like a, a lot of frustration and, but people are still going out, you know, to see music and they're still like kind of living life in the way oh, that yeah. they like can. I love the the birthday par- I love the birthday parties and the you know they have a big mm-hmm. party for David and to celebrate him and him being home and talking about how they dress and they drink and and that's that's the really sad it's such a nice scene and she kind of has this flirtation with David and Luz is really like you kind of get more of a fleshing out of who mm-hmm. she is as a person I think that is the one thing where it's I feel like I want more of Luz like I, I want more of her inner workings of like, so she meets this man, Abel, he kind of is like a handyman and comes and helps and fixes their radiator, their heater after Diego has left. Um, so Abel is this handyman that they hire and he's a good person and he helps them and he begins kind of, I mean, you can tell he's in love with Luz and they kind of date, but you don't get much from her about really how she feels about him, I think. Yeah. Or like, I wanted more of that. I think there was, that's the one thing I would say that I wish I got more of out of this novel. And I almost don't want to say it because I don't, I loved this book, but I do wish that it was a little bit more fleshed out in terms of Luce and like what she's feeling, like who she is as a person. She's almost like this conduit for everything. Yes. Like you, yeah. you get all these great, this, this great understanding of, you know, th- like through her is how we're learning about Pedra. And then like through her Diego and his story is so interesting and well and everybody Maria, Josie and, and then all the stuff that's going on she's just such the conduit for it all that you almost don't get enough of her yeah. but I really liked her and, and it makes sense she's the conduit I mean she's she's also yeah, yeah. sorry to, well uh, no I think it just fits in with like her her being clairvoyant her very being clairvoyant mm-hmm. and, and how her occupation in a lot of ways is about telling other people's like future and stories and feelings and thoughts and like presence in a way as well. And so she's, she's, I think also like a pretty vulnerable character. So, and not in the way that she's not strong, like she's a very strong character, but I think also she like keeps her own cards very close to her chest as far as how she feels. Like it doesn't seem like she really talks to anybody about how she feels about things. 
But I agree that, like, when it comes to her internal monologue, especially regarding, like, her relationships, it is a little, like, confusing for me sometimes about trying to figure out how she feels about certain people because mm-hmm. I got the the impression that she really wasn't that interested in evil but, you know, was going along with it and, like, thought he was really nice and... But but then, you know, there's the scene where he kisses her and she says that she really likes him to him, you know? And I I'm yeah. like, Really? Really? You do? Like I didn't uh, I didn't really Yeah, see like that. it caught me off I felt the same way. I got a little caught off guard, like, oh really? You do like I almost thought she was looking at it like like she was oblivious. Yeah. And then I was like, Really, are you this oblivious? But I'm like, Well, it kind of fits. Like she's she's like naive in some ways. Like she's she doesn't have time for that. Like she just ha- that's not hasn't been where she's been at. And so yeah. the romantic stuff is new for her, which so that made sense. Um, but then like and then and then I was like, Well, maybe she's not you're not getting that much from her because she doesn't even understand it, which which does fit. Yeah, like, but it's interesting as her age, but you get her acknowledging more of those like physical feelings and like awakening with David. With David. Exactly. But then David, I don't know where this is gonna go, but like there's some like some stuff with David that I'm kind of like, oh that's that's not cool. Like I like David. I I don't know. I mean this isn't like a romance novel by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, I did find myself kind of like picking like which guy do I want her to be with because both of them clearly like desire her in some way, and um, I feel like she has desire for David especially, and yeah, so I kind of found myself rooting for those moments and those interactions where like David showed her attention, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like he's her employer and. I can. I'm starting to see at the end of um, part two, like some control, like there, like there's some like there's some interesting dynamics going on there, and I think a lot of it is because he's older than her, and then also he's her boss, but um, yeah, I don't know how I don't know how to go at it because it's. Like, I can't tell. Don't spoil it. But I, I'm almost like, oh, is he going to be, like, a dick? Like, is he going to do something bad? Or is he going to be okay? Because their relationship is kind of hovering this weird line of she says so herself that some days, like, he acts like he doesn't even know her. And then, like, other days, like, he sh- nothing will get hit, take his attention away from her, you know? Um, but they're the I think the part that made me feel kind of, like, the ickiest was when he takes her out for dinner and they go to this really Mm. fancy restaurant where only white women are allowed, but they're allowed to be there because he's friendly with the district attorney. And so they make like arrangements so that she can be there, but she's the only person of color, specifically woman of color in the restaurant. And then, you know, she's kind of subjected to this conversation at the table that would, you know, they're talking about her like she's not there. They're talking about her community and, like, people like her and and um, people of color and of race. And, like, it's just really uncomfortable that she has to sit through that. And that kind of made me angry a little bit that he would oh, sure. put her through that. I don't know. Well, and I think it does – I think that scene points out a lot of things – or points out something that is throughout the novel, but this, you know, the, obviously the racism that's there and that they experience, but how it's different between, you know, what Luz endures, uh, what, uh, black people in the community endure. And then David has his own things to deal with, but, but because he's white, I mean, he's like, they're prejudiced against him because he's Greek and his family, like they're immigrants. Yeah. Uh, or they're for you know first he's first they're generation more obviously immigrant yeah um and so they but he's white so he can get away with a lot but then there's still even the thing of you know him being uh, socialist and and all yeah. so it's interesting I think she does a good job with that scene and with some of the other ones that that still highlights just how layered it all is and how prevalent it is and just like yeah does such a good job of it's just everywhere but then it's 
I don't want to say it's not the focus because it is the focus, but it doesn't, I think sometimes things like that are written about mostly by white authors who then the people don't have much of a full rich life on their own. Does that make sense? Like they don't, like I thought like the hate you give was a great example of showing this full rich life and like community and culture and family. Yeah with all of this. And I think sometimes it's almost like that becomes people's identity is they're victims of something. And so I think she does such a great job of this is all that they're dealing with all there. I mean, some really awful incidences described where, you know, they can't walk through certain parts of town and, um, you know, I mean, in Diego, what happens to Diego? And so it's, which I won't spoil what happens in the second part either, what you find out, but it's just, she does such a great job of giving all these great rich, characters with great lives that I just want to know about like that's just as interesting to me as what happens to them you know I think you see this a lot with like with people there's this woman I follow on Instagram named Erica Hart and I really love here like her what she does and she's a sex educator and like all the things she talks about but she made this point that when she posts videos of her just like cooking or I don't know anything that's not focused on different causes that she supports and pointing out, you know, like that's not educating where she's not doing this like service to people and telling them these things. She says her views go down. Like they're not as interested. And there was a lot of comments made by other like, um, like people of color and that, you know, that are influencers or Instagrammers or however you want to call it. And when they were just posting like just random parts of their life, people weren't interested, but if they're educating and serving and making this big point, and so I just think that the book kind of made me think of that too. Of yeah. like, it, Yes, all this stuff that happens to them is important and good to read about and interesting, but also just as regular character, like, it, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be right. about the horrors. To, that, that's the only thing that makes them important. And I think that she does such a great job. And well, and I think too, of studying that Sabrina and Karina was the same way. Yeah. Like totally recommend the short stories. If you like, you really should get her short story book. It's great. Okay. Well, I think too, with that of, you know, these being, like, fully rounded people and characters and them having to deal with all of these things, not just one of the, you know, not that this is just their whole life. And, but yeah, I think, and survive. But I, and I think it's with, just crazy what they go through. But I think with David, too, I think that's, like, a good point of, you know, I think sometimes characters are expected, the same as people, are expected to kind of be... Um, I think I think we tend to like moralize characters a lot, and I'm not saying like we yes. as you as I, but like readership in general. And I feel like it's not great to do that because you look at you look at David, for example, and like yeah, I'm pissed off that she had to like sit there and listen to some of these conversations at that table. Clearly, she's super uncomfortable. I'm super uncomfortable for her. But also, David is supposed to be this character, you know, where he's what maybe we would call now is like a social justice warrior where like his whole life is kind of about this idea of social justice in 1930s Denver. But with that, there's still like a game that has to be played. And so we can go and tell him that he should, you know, object loudly to everything this person is saying at this table. But in reality, like he's still is in favor to like is better off being in this person's favor even if that person is not a good person so he's still like playing this game where he doesn't agree with what that person is saying but he's gonna sit there and like let them say what they want to say so that they can have Mm -hmm. good rapport and it's just a good it's just a very fine balance but especially when you're dealing with like the world of government and power and positions of power of like how it's very difficult to judge people mm-hmm. who are friends with that side and those types of people because otherwise, like, you can't just make enemies with everybody even if you don't agree with them. So I think this book did a good job, or at least, like, these two parts anyway that I've read um, have done a really good job of showing that balance and how it's frustrating, but, you know, it's not... It doesn't make David have like be less you know like into his beliefs right like it doesn't mean that he believes what he believes in less it just means that he knows that he's better off getting what he wants done if he has a friend in a high place 
who has good rapport. Yeah, I mean it. It shows it shows the ickiness of politics, right? Of like, it just and just the different um, the different ways the different characters view the world. I think is really interesting, and and yeah. also the growth. Oh. I this just popped in my head and I don't know why because I love this maybe because I just love this character. I want to make sure we talk about Maria Josie. Like yes. love this character. Yes. She uh, she's queer. Um, I'm trying to remember how much we learn about her in the first pure part versus the second because I don't want to spoil anything. But she's got great backstory. Yeah. Um, and and you know is this maternal figure, parental figure to Diego and Luz and Luz especially and just like badass like takes care of shit and. Uh, wears like dresses mostly in masculine clothes, like kind of wants that's mm-hmm. like how she wants to be seen and dates other women. And there's some areas that she's able to be like her family knows people who care about her know, but she also puts herself in danger every day, living the way yeah. she lives that way too. Um, but just awesome character. I loved seeing that represented and, and I thought it was done really well well and her story is really interesting too I think the only like flashback that we get for her for when she's younger is um her story when she um comes to Denver and she so she is pregnant so she had this like German lover um and boyfriend and when he found out she was pregnant he tried to poison her to make her lose the baby and so she goes and she um was pregnant and then she has a miscarriage but I can't remember if it's like explicit about this but it sounds like she doesn't like pass the fetus immediately like it sounds like mm-hmm. it's in there for a while um yeah and like just the I mean sickening kind of feeling that 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 she feels with that and then you know there's this flash flood in Denver and she sees David when he is like 14 or 15 and he is drowning and she just like is so strong she's so physically strong too they talk about her physical strength a lot Mm -hmm. and so she just has gone through this like horrible miscarriage it's trying to like start her life over again and she just is she's just so strong like she just won't take no for an answer she won't let this boy die and she has a great um talk like like in her monologue about feeling like death has just been hanging around her, you know, since yes. she lost her baby. And then like when she saves David, that's her basically saying like, screw off, <laughs> you know, to that kind of oh, feeling. Yes. And it's just so powerful. And then of course, you know, it's this like good deed, this act that she did of immense bravery and strength and physical strength, you know, it serves her in the years and years to come, like that family, you know, they, they give her, they'll sneak groceries in her grocery bag, you know, when they're too poor to buy meat, you know, Mm -hmm. David gives Luz the job, even though she doesn't know how to type, you know, you get to see how this act like really carries through. And then just the, yeah, the immense strength physically and emotionally and, and mentally that this woman has. I I loved and I loved uh, how all these different characters, I think she did a really great job of showing how their individual strengths are so intermixed, not just what Diego, you know, it's like they all rely on each other in these different ways and how how it's all connected. But then also through their ancestors and just kind of this this idea of like strength through this family through such like awful times and just like how powerful those connections are. And, um, I thought she did it just so nicely. None of it was like pandering and, you know, they've all like, they, they understand the, I don't know. I just thought she did it in such a real way where like the the characters are very inspiring. Um, and yeah, well, I feel like, I I I I found them like really inspiring. I loved, I was, why I wish I knew more about Luz because I loved Luz and I thought she was so special and inspiring as like, this young adult yeah um yeah and just what she lived and so I I wanted almost more yeah that's like the only thing I I just wish I got more of loose I wish I had just more of this book in general it's it's really good and I haven't finished it yet well there is more more. (laughs) I do have more more. (laughs) um but I I loved um so there's it's it's funny because this the conversation around ancestry in this book really had me thinking about when we read um, 
ancestor trouble a little oh. bit and like physical yeah. mm-hmm. kind of um um physical tokens and stuff to represent your ancestors. So something I really love is the fact that that Luz and a lot of women in this book are that are kind of referenced, um, they have altars, you know, that they use for their spirituality, for their connection to their power and to their ancestors and to whatever it is that they believe in. And there's also, you know, like this idea of this, like almost like talisman that I get with Luz is this quartz rosary, I think. And um, yeah. it, it was her grandmother's, and we learn more about her later on. We, we get, a, like, a snippet of her in this in this in these two sections of the book. Um, but once Luz, like, receives that at the end of part two, like, you really feel, like, the power that she feels it from shifts. it. Yeah, like her power yeah. shifts, and it's after she has received this, this gift, and the connection that it has to this, this woman that she came from, and I just I thought that was really great, and I liked, I really like the idea of, um, of keeping connections with your ancestors, which is not uncommon for you know, Mexican and other practices where, like, ancestral connection and ancestral worship even is, like, as as integral into the, in their relationships as anything, as any other belief really is. And so I liked seeing that kind of carry through with her. Yeah. I love, and I loved, I love the story of her ancestors. Like, I was yeah. so, in, I mean, so Pedre and Simodeca, and, mm-hmm. and you get more of it. But she's so she's fascinating. So Pedre basically finds this town to, to settle in and he he does really well for himself. He's he's he, well, he's, he's good at kind of a comp. He's kind Sorry, of he's kind of like entrepreneurial, like almost like he like. Yeah, there's this. But he's so this, genuine and like yes, good yeah. um, and but really good at like setting goals and accomplishing them and just like charming people. Well, and he um, wants to, like, create a space for the community. That's something that's interesting with him. So he, like, does all of these kind of odd jobs, and he saves all this money, and he's basically just, like, looking for something to invest in that he think will, he thinks will be good for the town, for the, yeah. the community. Yeah. And um, he decides to invest in this theater that this old, like – they they describe him as like this wild man, but he's actually like the son of, you know, New York Wall Streeters. You know, he's kind of like old money, really, just living in the West. His name's Otto, and um, he basically provides him with this opportunity to to buy or like invest in this old theater, and so he's looking for someone to headline to be his main event, and. Um, he goes to this it's not like a circus but it's kind of like a circus and he sees it's a wild it's a wild west show like they used to do them all the time and it was yeah and it's like and it's a little bit of kind of like some of the things that Diego and Luz do you know they go and they're also performers I love that connection because yeah sorry go ahead no, that's a no. That's a great connection, but um, Simodeca is is a performer. She's a yeah. like sharpshooter. Yeah, like, yeah, can shoot anything like just badass. And but has had this horrible tragedy. Her husband, like she's traveling with the circus. Did I not? Have we not covered this? It doesn't. Wait, it. you see the no. She, okay, she says the, she did. She, she did kill her husband. Yeah, right? you read okay. you read about okay. it. You you read so here. The, I'll t- this is a good little part to read. So this is it on um, page seventy. It's got like what's what a newspaper article would be, and the right. title is Mexican okay. sharpshooter's husband met horrible death, Santa Fe, New Mexico, s- September twelfth, eighteen eighty seven. Mexican sharpshooter Simodeca Salazar Smith. So this is Luz's grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fatally shot husband Wiley Smith in face during Wild West Circus, killing him instantly. A caged black bear had gotten loose and charged Mrs. Salazar Smith during her performance in which she shoots a deck of cards from atop her husband's head. Mrs. Salazar Smith is recovering with broken bones in both legs where the black bear mauled her. The animal weighed 250 pounds. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And like 
how we end it with her and Pedra is, is he sees her and wants to not only have like, he's obviously in love with her instantly, but then he wants her to come work at his wild west show and she agrees. And then she's like, but there can be no bears. Like I will not do this and go work for you if there are no bears (laughs) or if there are bears. Yeah. Which I just thought was funny. Like this, there's lots of dark humor in the book, which is, there is dark humor. Well, especially because I mean, that chapter was, was humorous and like lovely, but also like, Oh my God. Like some of the descriptions of just, it just shows kind of like the, the inhumanity sometimes of these like traveling shows and um, what people found to oh, be yeah. entertaining. So, like, one of the shows is um, this big man who is supposed to fight a bear, and the bear is, like, barely alive and is just in absolute agony and torture and is just being whipped, and just so much animal cruelty is just disgusting. And Pedro actually hates it. He has to leave because he's just like, I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to watch this bear that is just begging to not exist anymore, like be tortured yeah. like this. Um, but, it, you know, you so you see this this aspect of animal cruelty, but then you also see like that she kind of went through the same thing because she doesn't just ask that there not be any bears. She asks for no life targets. She has no desire right. to like shoot at anything with a pulse, you know, and him he kind of gives her because he wants her there so badly. Um, you know, he really lets her have complete control over like what she gets out of it and what, you know, lets her set the boundaries, which I think is really great. Um, because yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely something that this book touches on is some of that, you know, like just, I'm really glad that we have laws and like rules about what sorts of things can be called entertainment these days. You know, it just really made me think about like the animal cruelty and then also, you know, the, the inhumanity of the wild west shows are a little bit different, but like, you know, freak no, shows that used to go around, you know. All of, well, and even now, like, yeah, there's still, oh yeah, it's, and there's interesting literature about that. I liked that. I like that, uh, I like reading about that, like the truths mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's really interesting. Um, and I like that kind of carnival, like all the backstory stuff I think is really interesting. Yeah. I've always kind of liked that. So I, that was really appealing to me in this book too. Yeah. No, that was a, that's a really great connection though that you made about um, this aspect of them like being performers. I hadn't like really made that connection of how that stayed with them because mm-hmm. at first it – it seemed more of like a kind of a, they had to be doing those things because they were poor. So they just like found a skill and that they and then like went out on it. And mm-hmm. clearly there's an aspect of that. But I also really like this idea that it's kind of just in their blood almost like they inherited yeah. that kind of aspect of performance, which I think also goes in something. There's a part that Luz says that I just absolutely loved where she says, she talks about um, David had said that he wished, you know, that more people um, would teach women, you know, education. Cause she's just doing so good and he's just so impressed. And she talks about how, she she just almost like thinks it's funny that he is saying this because every girl that she knows is extremely smart and has never stopped learning. You know, maybe they didn't get finish their education, but all of them are talented in more ways than any person who went to school for for anything could possibly know. And she talks about how she um, can do all of these things. And then one of the things that she mentions is that when she she can speak two languages and sometimes in her dreams she can speak a language that she she doesn't know, but she knows it's old. And I really yes. like that image, this this idea that, you know, these other cultures and, and these other languages are kind of in her DNA a little bit and that she had ac- yeah. has access to them while she's in this, like, state of um dreaming i loved it i love that image i do too it's beautiful and and i love the point that it sucks that it has to be made but you know lose it brings it up a lot of times i mean how many people 
say, you know, think that if someone doesn't, isn't speaking, they have an accent when they speak English mm. or they don't mm-hmm. get the language, they have, you know, things that have, like, it's hard or they're not whatever you would consider a perfect English speaker. And it's like, they're speaking two languages. Like, yeah, they're already so, smarter than you. They're already, like, like they already have an, like something that you don't, like, it's like, come on, like, you're going to say someone's stupid. But, like, it just kills me. It's so, and it's so, it points stupid stuff out like that in the book and, and does it in such a, I mean, it's in your face, but it's like, I don't know. It, I love the the attitudes the characters have. I love how they, um, I love getting the different internalizations of what they have to go through depending on who the characters are. Like even just the differences between Luz and Lizette. I love her cousin Lizette. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, she has a serious relationship. She's getting married and she's, you know, basically the same age as, as Luz. And um, yeah. she's, uh, but also talented in her own right. She's a seamstress and takes care of siblings and, you know, is a great friend to lose. And I love, I love how they write about them and just completely different in a lot of ways from lose, but just as valuable, just as interesting and rich and lovely. Like all of her characters, I I just thought they were great. You know, they've got their stuff, but like, they're just great characters and really felt warm with them. There's like this nice warmth throughout this whole family. Like that's such a good, they're, that's, they've got a lot of passion and warmth and like, it's not, yeah, I mean, they go through a lot, but they're, it's, it's such a strong connection with all of them. And I think it's so nice that there's this history of performance and fortune telling and just this like yeah. great communication through time with all of them. Like yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's pretty, so lovely to read it's, about. It's pretty incredible that a writer can like write about some of the stuff that happens in this book. You know, like what happens to Diego, what happens, you know, with his girlfriend's abortion and everything that happens with that. And then the other like murder that happens in this in the town by at the hands of the police, the racism that everybody goes through, like and then also the, you know, poverty that everybody's going through because of the depression. And it's just really interesting that I can read about all this stuff. And yet still, I find this book to be really uplifting. (laughs) Like, I yes, really do. it doesn't. Like, yeah. It's yeah. uplifting. It's, it's not a downer. Yeah. No, it's 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 a very hopeful, realistically hopeful, like, mm-hmm. I took it. And, I mean, and granted, that's part of that's helped because it's set in the past. Right. So I think it's easy for us a lot of times to be like, well, this is different. Like, see, cha- you know what I mean? Like, it's, I think sometimes it's easier to be, for me, to be, find books more optimistic when they're almost set in the past sometimes and then sometimes I'm like oh we're still dealing with this shit like we haven't gotten anywhere yeah but I think it's it's easier to remove yourself more from it I think like I have a hard time reading apocalyptic fiction like I I really don't have any interest there's a couple new books out that I know have gotten a lot of like buzz and and they seem like they're really good and I like the but I don't want to read apocalyptic fiction it just feels too close to home I to me. Like I just feel that. Honestly, yeah. I've read the Handmaid's Tale, Handmaid's Tale back that I don't really want to watch the show. Um, I just there's, there's just certain things where I'm like, it's too. I don't, I don't want to read about it because it's too close. It is too close to me. I, like I'm privileged enough that it's too close to me. Like now at this point, like it actually affects me now. Whereas these things have been affecting so many other people consistently forever. So it's like you know, no, get over your whining about no, it, but it's hard. I don't, like, I don't, no, I don't want to, I don't think you're like, I don't want to watch that stuff or read it. I have no desire. Yeah. I think that's valid and totally fair. I don't think anybody would consider you to be whining about like the state of the world right now. It's just a reality. And, and honestly, like, I think that those books sometimes, it's not that I want to say that those books sometimes do more fear than good, but I think that, they're not always solution based like that it makes it difficult to to not feel um like exasperated and hopeless and i think that if they're going to do it they need to do it in a way that still has hope because otherwise like i think people i think apathy is a really big problem in this country and like in the world in mm-hmm. general People think that stuff that is terrible is inevitable and then decide not to do anything about it because they're too apathetic and they are too sad to deal with it, which is why I think that this book is really great because I think that 
you know, it's it doesn't it's not shying away. It's not trying to like avoid some of these like real issues that are being dealt with by these communities at the time. But it's also, like you said at the beginning, it's only one facet of their life and they can continue to move on. And, you know, I think we can too. It's just about people putting in the work and having hope and like feeling like there's still something to like live for. And that's something too that, you know, she, she talks about not super explicitly about that, but like this idea of continuing to exist and that being valuable and, you know, she talks about, I think when she's on a date, um, she talks about how she remembers her mother telling her, which this is awful, um, that it would be better to be murdered than to be raped, you know, and this idea that, um, like, it would be better, you'd be better off dead. And I loved Luz's, like, response to that of being like really because I think I'd rather exist than not exist and that kind of her rejection of the idea that like as hard as life is it's still all we have and so you have to just appreciate it and deal with it and that's something that Maria Josie tells her too is that you have to appreciate what you have and um and I think that's part of what makes this so hopeful. And th- those are like relationships and in, in things that I feel like familiar with, you know, like I think I, it was really fortunate. I didn't have to really deal with any idea of poverty. Like we were not like well off by any means, but like I never had to worry about where my meal was going to come from, you know, but even just hearing from my mom, like what things were like for her growing up in the 1960s and you know, her parents coming from the Great Depression and from, you know, World War II and this idea of, of you know, really being careful about what it is you have and, like, not being – not taking anything for granted, you know. Like, things like they had money to get a regular gallon of milk, but they would buy evaporated milk instead because it was cheaper and it kept longer, you know, and, mm-hmm. like – little yeah. bits of thrift there here and there so that they could just continue to feel secure and like safe. And that's something that, you know, my family luckily has not had to had to deal with since, you know, but it, I really I really identified with parts of that of of thinking about not how I've ever had to go through it, but how people I know and love have had to go through similar circumstances and that feeling mm-hmm. of um just pushing through it. And, you know, I feel really hopeful for these characters. And I, like, I I really, really enjoyed this book. I can't wait to finish it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. And we will definitely have a lot more to talk about mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. the next episode. So if you guys haven't, I hope you can get through through the book. It's also, I, I think it's a quick read. Like, I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's um, easily digestible. It'll that's, suck you that's in. That's how we're going to describe Yeah. I was yeah, telling, so telling Audra that um, I have been really busy, and so, like, I felt like I haven't had a lot of time to sit down to read, but I feel like I've gone through two-thirds of this book, like, within two bits of sitting down to read. So, like, within just, like, a few hours. Like, I feel like this is definitely a weekend read. Like, you can get through this really quick. It, it will really suck you in if you have spare time. So, yeah, I recommend. Um, and then, in so if you guys care, uh, in between when we recorded and finished this book, I read a couple other novels I'm going to recommend. Yes. So, Trust, Trust Exercise by Susan Choi. This novel was good and weird. Okay. Like it, it threw me for a loop. Uh, and what I thought it was about, it is, but it's so much more than that. I totally recommend it. But like the gist of it is there's these two students that go to like a performing arts high school and their drama teacher like kind of gets involved in them and their relationship. And then it just kind of goes through how the rest of their lives kind of unfold. But that's not even a great description because it's just you just it's funny that the novel is trust exercise because you don't really know what <laughs> to trust about the novel. It feels like a trust exercise novel. to read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really good though. I really recommend that. It's it's nice. it's great. And then I read um House of Dawn by N. Scott Mamaday. Have you ever read anything by him? No. No. 
he's really great. He he's Native American, and I read um, I've read some of his poetry. He's a really amazing poet, and then he wrote a book called The Ancient Child that's really good. And, and so I wrote read his book under um, sorry Housemaid of Dawn and loved it. And it's like deals with uh, mostly a Native American man uh, returning. Uh, it's like after World War One, um, so it's like him coming back to live on the reservation and so just like mm-hmm. kind of the split of the worlds and but that was great it was beautiful it was sometimes hard to read and then I I told you about Vladimir last time right um yeah I've been because I got it as audiobook I've been have listening you to, what yes. do you think I'm, I'm like, not done with it yet but I'm getting farther it's I'm okay ha- tell me what I, I, th- I want to say I'm like 60% through it and it's a good one to listen to I gotta say I have to agree I have not like enjoyed an audiobook like this really right? ever like i the yes i i don't know if same it's just, audiobooks aren't really my thing yes but i i like just like to read it but i really enjoy listening to this i like the narrator's voice uh-huh. and how it is written it is an easy one to listen to yes i agree because it's not so I don't know if it's it's an easy enough plot and everything to follow that I'm not having to be like rewinding it if I'm distracted. Does that make sense? Yes. Because like if I get momentarily Uh distracted, I'm not like completely lost as far as what's going on in the book. Right. Right. And um, no, I have to say I really, really like the book. It's sexy and it's kind of weird and it's also I am obsessed with like the setting of like academia and just all this yes, like yes. all this like and it talks about, about writing and novels. And, I know. Yes, yeah. I just I just eat stuff like that up. It made me miss I going on campus and stuff. I do too. It makes you want to be a professor. Like, yeah, but man, <laughs> this book really makes me feel like I just like did not have a fully rounded college experience if I didn't have an affair <laughs> with a professor. Because everybody's be, well, everybody's having an affair left and right. <laughs> it's a great like I really recommend. It's really good reading it. It's good. Yeah, it's a fun. It's kind of like feels salacious, but there's also a lot there. But it's well done. Yeah, it's yeah. really well done. It is not. Yeah, it's it is. It's it's not. It's good. It's, it's not, not overdone. Yeah, it's it's definitely. A sexy story, and, but it's a sexy story and it's in a sexy way. story from like a from a fifty year old woman, yes, which yes. I love. Like it's, I mean, you hardly I ever. Agree. It's so well done. It's so good. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're liking the audiobook. So I'm glad yeah. we didn't do a podcast on this one. I agree. Um, but I'm really enjoying listening to it, and I totally recommend. So if you guys like audiobooks, definitely. Check. I'll have to put something up on the on Instagram yeah. about it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I really. And I, I told you about. It. I told you about The Bear, right? That TV yeah, show. Yeah, Brian and I have not started it yet. I'm so Oh, it's so good. I keep I posting. Like, I it is so good. I like, had, one homework assignment, and I failed. It's good. Well, I want to know what you think. It's okay. okay. That's fine. You've been busy. You've been living life, having fun, as you should. <laughs> I'm the one that's just sitting there watching TV oh and reading gosh. books. So. <laughs> so, yeah, sitting there um, watching TV and also reading, like, four books a week. Yeah, you're so lazy. I know. I went to King's English today to pick up a copy of Persuasion because I didn't have that and bought two more books. I bought The Tin Drum by Gunter Grass and I bought Horse by Gwendolyn Brooks. Nice. So I still have a whole pile still to get through, but I can't. I have to just keep adding to the pile. And I'm seeing so many memes on Instagram that support this idea that I feel better about it. It's obviously not just me. Like, it's a thing. If you love books, it's a thing. Like, Oh, it's... What, like, I'm sorry, but books are, like, it's the only thing I collect, really. It's the only thing I collect. It's the only thing I keep with me, like, home to home to home. And, like, I would have it no other way. I can't think of a better thing to collect than literature. Like, there's just not a better thing to have. And I am also, I know what meme you're talking about because I think you sent it to me or you posted it on our podcast. On Libations or something. Yes. And it's like the one talking about how, you know, it's okay to have unread books on the shelf and like you're never going to be able to read every single book and it's okay to just get books and hope you get to them and it's just totally fine. And I agree wholeheartedly. Oh, totally. Well, I'm glad that uh, 
you feel the same way. That makes me feel better. And I'm sure a lot of people listening feel the same way. And thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you we for reading you. the books. I hope, <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys are, are enjoying it. Cause again, we just have so much fun doing this. Yeah, so I really like this book and I'm really excited to talk about the next, the next part. So yeah. if you haven't go pick up a copy of woman of light by Kali Fajardo Anstein and get her short stories, Sabrina and Karina, while you're at it, you might as well. Um, and we will talk to you guys next time to wrap up the book. Yeah. So thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.